0: Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the House. Your weekend wake-up tradition.
1: Inch by inch, row, by row gonna make this start grow.
0: Come on around back Arizona, Saturday morning, 8 o'clock. It's Rosie on the House, your outdoor living hour, third Saturday of the month. We have... Jay Harper and talking all things planting garden related. If you'd like to talk about your landscape or garden, you can join the conversation at one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. Text questions can be sent to four one one nine two three, or you can email us at info at rosieonthehouse.com. And if you have our home maintenance calendar, you can see there on November twentieth, we're talking fall planting best. You know, this is Fall planting is best. It's the best time to plant here in the great state of Arizona. And we'll be talking about all the things you can plant, how to plant. And we will get to all of that. But I have a couple things. First, one, we are getting ready to mail out our next printing of our annual home maintenance calendar. This will be the fifth uh, printing for 2022. We have the calendars. We're just getting ready to mail them. If if you've received one in the past because you've asked for it, that's the only way you would get it is either you asked us to mail it to you or you got it from one of our certified partners. Um, You don't need to ask again, but if you would like to receive, we call it our homeowner Handbook. And it talks about all the things we'll be covering in the broadcast, your weekly to-dos, keeping up with the home maintenance. Uh, And there's also promotional offers that our partners put in there. Uh, Great example. um, There's a is offering a 250 off pre-qualifying windows and $500 off qualifying door so there's also promotionals that our partners put in there you can just let us know where you would like us to send that calendar we it's, it's physical it's paper we we mail it <laughs> <laughs> old-fashioned yeah uh, just let us know send us an email get to something info. good in your mailbox something you actually use yeah info at com. we'll add you to the mailing list and we'll get those out uh, the week after thanksgiving but uh the second thing i want to talk about is jay uh stumbled across this concept of primary water i sent it to you and all the uh hosts that, that come in for the outdoor living hour and uh just because i had never heard of primary water what had you uh, no what?
1: it was a totally a new concept to me um you might want to explain to people what we're talking about, but it it, uh, it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, I can see how, I guess, not being a scientist, I don't know, that, you know but it kind of it makes sense. But I have never, ever, ever heard of that terminology or that concept before.
0: Yeah. No. And what it is, and I don't even remember quite how I stumbled upon it. I've got a lot of different... Uh, news feeds that i set up and monitor and um, i've got different filters for water and weather and different topics i like to follow and just something along there and i'm like primary water didn't even sound in- interesting uh, but for whatever reason i'm like i clicked through it to read it and probably you live in arizona and you saw water <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> so the water cycle as we've always been taught um is water's uh, a very recyclable product you know it
1: renewable re- it yeah. flows out to yeah. the
0: ocean evaporates into the atmosphere comes back down in snow and rain and re- repeat some of it soaks into the ground and we pump out as groundwater later some of it flows down the rivers and stream etc and that you know we always we've had the same amount of water constantly just being recycled over and over and over again and that's the hydraulic cycle primary water states that you know Water is constantly being generated by Earth. Below the crust and the mantle is one to three times the ocean's volume of water in steam form that the Earth is constantly creating, and it seeps up to the surface through cracks and fissures, and water is a, is, is constantly being created. New water is constantly being created and added to the Earth. And one of the ways they explain this is Horton Springs. Explain Horton Spring. You know, if I took this glass of water and I turned it upside down, where's the water going to go? It's going to follow gravity and follow the floor. Where's all that water coming from Horton Springs? I mean, it's not like there's this big pool of water above it in the mountain that's naturally flowing down. Well, that's all the steam and pressure from magma coming up through the mantle and and the crust. And this is new water being introduced into the uh, water cycle. And it's just this constant stream because it's continuously being generated from inside the mantle.
1: It, it's it,
0: it. sounds like <laughs>
1: it makes sense. I mean, there's heat down there. There's I'm sure there's moisture would make steam. I, I, you know, I um, let's I, hope we could go find a way to tap into some of it. I well, guess sea springs would also qualify as well, wouldn't
0: it? Well, any any water coming out of the ground because. If That's you're it. not, if you're not pumping it m- mechanically, how else yes. does it have that force to push it up? I, I guess I <laughs> thought, hes dumbfounded. I, I guess I always thought that those
1: springs along the base of the rim, like Horton and Sea Springs and countless others, probably was moisture, you know, s- snow pack that fell on top of the rim that just kind of worked its way out through the side of it. But I <laughs> these guys are a lot smarter than I am, so
0: I'll. Yeah. You know. so, so we'll follow it along. We'll be, yeah, talking a lot more about it because I, you know, we were always talking about the solution to, you know, refilling our reservoirs. And it's always been reliant on the snowpack and the rainfall and using less. Well, in this theory, you could just go and th- there's a, a group primary, um, primarywaterinstitute.org. Um, the gentleman's name is Paul. And he's following the work of a German scientist by the name of Stephen Reisch, who passed away in 85, you know, 30, 35 years ago. They've drilled numerous primary wells. It takes a lot of uh, studying of the geology and finding the cracks and where the you're likely to get that water coming out. You know, couldn't you just go along the Colorado River Shed? Punch, I don't know, 100, 200, 300 and just let this water pour into the watershed and come down. And now we're not waiting on the rain and the snow cycle. We're just taking the primary water the earth is creating and flowing it into our river. <laughs> or, or
1: the flip side of that is, if we introduced all that new water into this, what would
0: that, what impact might that have? And on to the never water cycle. I, and to never have a shortage. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's. It's a lot to think about so we lo- I love to talk about water and cover it and it was You're new- making my head hurt on I a Saturday know <laughs> <morning>. <laughs> <laughs> oh so they've got a number of different locations on their website where they have drilled these wells and uh, it's pretty interesting now, none of them in Arizona he is trying to get the right kind of equipment to drill one on the Navajo land because you know there's a lot of places on that area they, they don't have access to water you know a lot of them you know until this year didn't even have power yet in a lot of areas so very very interesting concept it could be a complete game changer and and uh how we we think about water and use water and uh yeah especially in in the southwest
1: for sure you know so uh keep us posted <laughs>
0: will do what well, we're talking about Uh, fall planting is best. And we've talked about it the last couple of weeks, you know, right. Um, last couple of months, September, October, getting our gardens ready, getting, uh, the beds. What, you know, it's not too late to plant anything at this point, is it? The only
1: thing I would be a little careful with would be things that are extremely, uh, sensitive to cold, hibiscus, um, some of the real tropical things. That might, you know, if we do get a cold snap, and if they're not well established before we get that cold snap, could succumb to to that. So, you know, just be a little cautious, maybe, with some of the really, and we don't have that many of those things. There's a handful. Hibiscus is the first one that comes to mind. That's probably one of the most super tender things that we plant. To, as far as cold weather, that was interesting with your <laughs> mic, just like a ghost in the Tighten room that just pulled it up. Down. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you know, Lantanas, bougainvilleas, you know, somewhat tender. They generally recover pretty easily. Takes a really, really hard cold snap to to damage those. But so just be a little conscious of of what you're doing now. If you're if, if you're somebody that puts things that we would consider maybe even indoor plants, those types of tropicals, and you use them outdoors in a few locations, those would be things you might not want to do. Um, But other than that, no, we're still, you know, I mean, the the days have been still relatively warm and and warm enough certainly to keep the soil warm enough to where things would still root. And that's the whole concept of of why we want to plant as many things as we can in the fall because the, the soil is staying warm. Soil and water do not cool as rapidly as the air or heat up as rapidly as the air. So they lag. So we're taking advantage of soils that have been warmed all summer and air that has drastically cooled so that you don't have this stress on the plant's foliage and losing moisture into the atmosphere through pretty rapid uh, transpiration and moisture loss due to high heat and dry air. Um, And it's just a great combination. So the plant gets rooted because plants have to root before they will grow foliage or limbs or stems anyway so get them rooted they root all winter long and then uh, when the air does start warming again in the spring they they it's almost like they're supercharged because they've already been rooted you're not waiting for them to root you don't have to worry about watering as much the stress from uh, that can occur if a plant you know just you're a little late watering a new plant it can make or break maybe the whole uh, uh, success of that planting. So it's just a great combination. Um, and of course planting trees, things that we want to get big and, and do the purpose of shading something or screening something, you're almost always too late doing that anyway. you, know, you can never <laughs> buy something big enough to achieve what you want it to achieve anyway. So the longer you wait to plant a tree, um, you know you're just delaying you're losing time. So we want to get those planted as fast as we can, and as far as trees go, we don't have that many really super tender trees, jacarandas, orchids, maybe a couple varieties that you'd want to stay away from if it was super cold, but other than that, uh, get planting. The thing we start bumping up against now, though, is holidays. People are busy, they're, you know, they're entertaining, they're shopping, they're traveling, Um, and so... uh, you know, that that can kind of, you know, there's only so much time in a day to get things done. So it, uh, if you are trying to hire a contractor and want to get luck. things done <laughs> yeah, and want to get things done, good luck, period. And if you're trying to get them and want things done before like Christmas or something, I think you're probably too late.
0: <laughs> I I don't know any of our contractors that aren't booked through the holidays right now. Yeah, I mean there there are some cases. You know, some of our service guys, plumbers, electricians, but you know, yeah, stuff yeah. where you've got to you do like for... landscape drawing and you, you got to make the plan, get the permit. I mean, it's <clears throat> everyone's got uh, plenty of work and is and is looking for yeah. more of it. Uh, it's if they don't, there there might be a reason you don't want to hire him. <laughs> Very good point.
1: Ooh, I went to a garden party To reminisce with my old friends A
0: chance to share old memories
1: <laughs> No, Gary, I read an article about this song. Oh, do tell. Day. So apparently Ricky Nelson was on tour at Mad- and performed at Madison Square Garden. Right, so garden party, mm-hmm. and he uh, had was playing some of his new uh, material and got booed uh, or treated rather <laughs> unfavorably by performing the new material. Ah, so that's where the song went to a garden party to reminisce, but they. You know, Cheryl, and so, you know, the uh, song goes on to can't please everyone, you know. So you got to please so. yourself, yeah. yeah. They wanted to hear the old hits from yeah. Ozzy and Harry days. There yeah. you go. So. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of useless trivia for you today. <laughs> Somebody will win some money tonight, though. <laughs> 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 or a beer, a free beer, at least. Yeah.
0: It is fall. It is the best time to plant. And we've been talking about planting and uh, came across... Um, article about how zinc boosts your immune and all the things that we can plant. You know, there's some things on here you can't really do, like Alaskan cream crab. Can't really help you with that or oysters. But well, kidney you could, beans. You could take us there. We could show you how to catch them. <laughs> right. Yes. I, I'll second that motion. There you go. <laughs> uh, Kidney beans, spinach, pumpkin seeds. I mean, those are all things well, spinach, that. Spinach.
1: Spinach is all, all the spinach you're seeing in the stores now and probably across most of the country is being grown right here in. Arizona, from Yuma to clear up here to the valley, so that's a good one to shop local. Shop local,
0: and but if you're looking to do your own gardening in a backyard, yeah, it is a, that is, is the a, time. a crop that does yeah. great. You're a little late on pumpkins; we're past that harvest, but you could plant those, you know, coming what mid to late spring.
1: Yeah, um, if it depends on the timing, what you want. If you want a pumpkin for Halloween, typically probably mid to late July, early August, but. Yeah, you could grow them all—you know, they're a warm-weather crop, so you want to grow them, you know, starting in March probably, like other squashes. And what about kidney beans? Can we grow those here? You know, I don't know. We do grow—we grow garbanzo beans here and, you know, pinto beans in some places, and uh, so I, I don't know why not.
0: And I see a lot of mushrooms. That one's on the list as well, out in the wild, and you're always told, you know— to- well, you, be be you, very careful. You, you, need to,
1: you need to have somebody show you what ones are safe.
0: <laughs> can, is there mushrooms we can grow in our yards, in the gardens? Well, they do we have little
1: get? They have little kits. We, we used to get them uh, in the nursery, and then, you know, we, my dad would bring them home, and we'd grow them in their little covered little kit. And, you know, they've got to be in the dark. They're, they're a f- fungus. So typically they grow mushrooms in well, caves. Old, old old, abandoned caves or old, I, I suppose they could grow them in warehouse situations commercially, that sort of thing. So in the dark and in lots of almost pure organic material, so manures, composts where, you know, where you would think that fungus would grow. You know, so warm, dark, moist, wet kind of places. So if you can find the right place in your garden or yard to grow them, yeah, sure you can.
0: You always see them, like you were saying, in a pile of manure when you're uh-huh. out in the middle of the forest, up oh, in the pine, an, pines an that- old
1: log that's decomposing or you know is is rotting, coming apart. That's kind of the places. Lots of organic material on the ground, and typically it's you know during the monsoon is when they proliferate in the in the mountains. You know when it's so when it's moist and wet and you've got org- organic material, and typically you know kind of a shadier. Uh, under the canopy of a forest kind of a thing or down under the pine needles type of stuff
0: i know there are groups of people that actually organize and like go hunting them they together.
1: do <laughs> they do yeah there are clubs i think they still exist um at, at one time there was a professor at asu uh, chester leathers it was a microbiology professor that had a club and they would go out and he, they would show you you know which ones were safe, and they'd gather them, and and you know and have a fun day doing it. But if you can find somebody that can show you, you just you just want to be darn careful. There are some that are not good. Like I said, every every mushroom is edible once. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> we want we <went> <laughs> the the multiple edible. times. <clears throat> That's right. <laughs> Well, we do have a couple calls lining up, but we won't get them before we hit bottom of the hour news break here, but we'll come back and get to those. If you'd like to join the conversation, one 767 4348 That's one Rosie for you. Text questions can be sent to 411 923 or you can email us at info at rosieonthehouse.com. Talking planting for the fall season here in Arizona, as Jay mentioned our leafy greens Arizona's one of the top producers of all the spinach yeah, and lettuce absolutely. if you're buying spinach and lettuce in the store that's not from Arizona right now, that'd be a lot harder <laughs> Well, it, it, it,
1: it could be coming from you know like Imperial Valley in California or something just across like the that. river just across the river, but yeah, other than that, yeah, it's probably all coming from right out here somewhere.
0: Great, great harvest for the your own little garden, or uh, you know, even we were talking. Uh, where where'd it come up again? The the Flower Street Urban uh huh planter boxes. You know, those would be a great little setup for. They would. Uh, you could grow
1: leafy greens really well in containers of any kind.
0: And the way they mount to the wall, if you've got some kind of garden window, you can put it right outside your window and just be picking yeah. your your leafy greens and. mints and herbs right off the right from your kitchen window if you had if it wasn't north facing uh pretty east east facing would probably be the best in that application without having to add some kind of additional shade structure to keep them from getting well all all
1: winter long you could certainly put them even on west you know
0: now on the you know with the winter Mm -hmm.
1: sun but uh The problem with north and south facing walls or up against a wall is they're you know the exposure is constantly changing because the sun's path you know moves further south in the winter and then as we get you know here what in about a month we'll we'll hit the furthest south southern path of the sun as it goes east and west and now it'll start moving back and come june it'll be way north of where it is now so that those can make those kind of exposures for a vegetable garden a little bit tricky, you know, if you're close to the wall, you know, so kind of keep that in mind. East and west is always the same. It's just the duration of the, the amount of sun
0: that you have on the east and west. Time of day. I know I, I can't even get home without it being dark right now. Yeah, <laughs> you
1: know, that, it's just backwards here, right? When the weather gets really great, the days get so short. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you leave in the dark and get home in the dark.
0: In the hottest times, you know, you, you, you're never in the dark. Yeah,
1: you're praying for dark.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Starting off a brand new property or never put in a garden before, uh, virgin landscape in the back, you know, a lot of times builders mm-hmm. um, will leave you the yard blank if you choose the option. Uh, a lot of new homes going in. I mean, it seems like every direction you drive, out of any major city, Phoenix, Tucson, Flagstaff, Prescott, you know, there's developments happening. They're they're all expanding right now. So a lot of new properties never before have a uh, garden or any kind of landscape. What's the first step in starting a little vegetable garden?
1: Well, the first step is to determine how big a space you need. You
0: know, is it
1: two of you? Is it four of you? Is it 10 of you? You know, how big is the family? So how much stuff do you need to grow? Then of course, um, you know, de- depending on the size, now do you want a conventional in-ground? You know, you're going to till up some soil and and improve the the ground, or are you going to build something above ground in a or or a container type thing or a raised bed or, you know, planter box uh, setup? So you know, once you de- once you determine that, you know that. The planter box, raised garden setup, then it becomes a construction project first. So you're, you're talking about either building with boards and, you know, f- uh, fastening together, you know, a, a square or a rectangle uh, out of wood. Or you're using masonry or block or bell guard stackable pa- uh, wall systems or something like that. Or. Some people have started using, and I I have one. I really like them. The, uh, The galvanized steel stock tanks make great raised planters if you kind of want that little bit of a barn look.
0: Now, is the drain plug enough or do you have to drill out more holes?
1: In my case, it has been enough. However... Uh, I stopped into a tractor supply the other day because I needed a tie-down strap. But they they now sell them without any bottoms in them at all. <laughs> so they're strictly Perfect. designed as a planter. Um, so that solves that problem at all. I, I would probably put some more holes in it. But the the drain hole, you want to definitely put some in, in any of these. Make sure you maybe have a little gravel or rock or something like that. Because even the ones that set right on the ground, they don't have a bottom. Could potentially you get you can get like kind of a sealed off deal with with moisture and soils and that you know. So you want a little bit of drainage maybe. <clears throat> but those those are easy things to to throw up. I, you know, anything even even just big pots, even the big nursery black nursery buckets. Those types of things make. Uh, really good instant plants. So then, there's no soil preparation involved. You're just going to go buy some bags of of good soil, a potting type soil, a square foot garden mix or above ground garden mix, something like that. You could you could blend your own, um, you know, out of peat moss and you know, some compost and that sort of thing, or you can buy it just already made. If you're going to just pick a piece of ground and start, and you're going to go right in the ground, then then the project becomes soil preparation and not a construction project. You're going to buy organic material and you're going to start tilling it and working it into the ground, clearing rocks and clods out, getting it to where, you know, you're, you're eight to 12 inches deep with good uh, amended soil. And the, re- the how you know it's good amended soil is you're going to have enough organic material in there. You're going to change the color of the soil. It's not going to be, you know, light tan anymore. It's going to be much darker. Um, you probably want to add something like gypsum to kind of help improve the drainage. Uh, and then, of course, there is no fertility in that soil whatsoever. So you're going to have to add some type of fertilizer, whether it's, you know, conventional type vegetable garden food or organic, you know, manures, uh, chicken compost, you know, that type of product. Till all that in good. I I like to get it loose enough. You shouldn't need a trowel or a shovel to, to dig your little holes for your little starts or you should be able to take your finger and just make a trough to put your seeds in if you're going to start seeds right in the ground. So that's, that's the ins and outs of it, you know, determine how big it needs to be. Then, you know, build however you're going to build it, prepare, how, you know, the soil if you're going to do it that way. Now the last thing is you determine what you're going to grow. Now, if if your kids don't like spinach, <laughs> then don't grow a lot of spinach.
0: Or you just uh, learn how to disguise it in the food.
1: Or, you know, make, make uh, smoothies
0: out of it. <laughs> we were talking about pumpkin uh, being a great source for zinc. Mm-hmm. The kids don't know it, but they eat a ton of, of pumpkin seed. It's uh, ground up very fine and put in with the eggs that mama makes French toast out of. Okay. And mm. they have no idea. They eat a ton of pumpkin seeds. There you go. <laughs> I tell you
1: what I like to do is take those pumpkin seeds, dry them out, and get some seasoned salt and roast them. And you just eat them whole. Uh, yeah. Mm. Uh, very good that very way. Good. Um, so yeah, determine what you're going to grow now. The time of year will determine will give you a list of things to
0: pick from. And I haven't figured out how to hide spinach. So if you've got a tip for that, <laughs> let me know. Well,
1: you know, put put a little put it in a blender with some peanut butter and some bananas and there you go make a make a shake out of Anything it.
0: Anything with peanut butter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: you know, make a great I didn't consume spinach. it's all right. I I I I love spinach, but um yeah, or, or, you know, instead of lettuce, just on a sandwich, you know, put some spinach on a sandwich. But, yeah, you can you can make a shake out of it then. Make them to where that's, you know, with some goodies in it, some fruit and peanut butter in it. It's got some sweetness to it. They'll probably drink it. So time of year and then, you know, what you like and then, you know, then go from there. I, I generally encourage people to start much smaller than you probably need uh, and you know, kind of get the system down, get the timing down, get some success, get some confidence, and then
0: go from there. It's very easy to go overboard, and especially yeah. if you're doing above ground, um, you know, that tilling, the working the ground, you know, that that's easy to. Uh, you know, if you've got a 10 by 10 section, or let's say a 20 by 10, that's real easy to stop at a 10 by 10 afterwards. You're like, I think this is enough.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you're, yeah, if you're growing in, it's like, whoo, yeah, that's a killer.
0: But if you're just getting, a, you know, one of those galvanized containers you were talking about, you know, the old water troughs, you know, setting one of those out, putting a few bags and seeds in it, that's fairly cheap, and it's pretty easy to go overboard really quick. And then you get overwhelmed, and then... The whole thing just kind of falls apart.
1: So, you know, people always ask, you know, when you plant seeds, you know, of course, it's hard to, in fact, it's virtually impossible to take a pack of seeds and have it all spaced out to where when they come up, they're the right spacing. So you need to go in and, and thin them. But another little trick you can do is take your seeds and put them in a, you know, mason jar and then fill the rest of that mason jar with, you could use old coffee grounds. You can use potting soil. Uh, fine sand, and then just shake it up really good. So the seed is all mixed together with all of that, uh, what we would call a carrier, but it has all that material in it. And that separates the seeds. And then, you know, either pop some holes in the top of that, the lid of that jar or whatever, and go down your little trough. Then you have already kind of pre-spaced out Hmm. um, your seeds in the garden you may still have to go in and do a little thinning as they sprout and come up, but it makes a great way. If you can find seed tape, so sometimes you can find things like carrots and radishes, that the the seed is actually affixed to a paper biodegradable tape that you make your little trench, and you just lay that tape out. It rolls out just like a just like a roll of of uh, of tape. And then just lightly covered up in west. Then they're already spaced. Man, it's really a slick deal if you can find that.
0: And like you said, it's biodegradable. It's, it's just a real fine paper. Yeah. So it's yeah, just falls apart. And when you're shaking up animation jar, you're just doing. One seed, like lettuce, and then when that's in, oh yeah, then well, you know, I in, guess
1: if you wanted to do leafy greens and mix it all, do
0: a mix that way, you know you
1: can do a do your own spring mix, do your own mix with spinach and different kinds of lettuce and colored lettuce, and that's really actually kind of attractive to have that mixture of greens in the garden.
0: I'm a horrible thinner i I have the hardest time bringing right. myself to pulling it out once it's started to something sprouted and growing it's like. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, you almost need to have a, somebody come do it for you. So, you know, somebody that doesn't care, somebody that doesn't have it invested in it, go, <laughs> yeah, would you do this for me?
0: I need one every four <laughs> inches or whatever it says on the seed yep. package.
1: Yep, that's right. Oh. It's like thinning fruit, you know, peaches or apricots off a tree, and you're, t- you're taking way more off than you're leaving.
0: <laughs> it's really hard to do sometimes, but if you want nice, big fruit, you got to do it. got to thin it. And a lot of these garden our fall vegetable crops you know we could plant now and plant again in a couple months and have another crop later i mean we've we've got a long growing season here for those uh, absolutely winter veggies. got months
1: and uh you, you know it's you may not want to have all of that spinach ready at one time plant it out over <clears throat> a couple weeks and just, just let plant it plant a quarter of a row and then in a couple of weeks, plant another quarter, you know, and have it, you know, so you've got stuff coming on. And then as you harvest that, plant another one. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you do. You have plenty of time.
0: Now I haven't been bitten by a mosquito in a couple months. That. Cooler weather seems to really uh, tame the knocking them down. What what do you is it a herd, the cluster? <laughs> I don't know. Flock. The flock. <laughs> but Well, since, and
1: things drying up, you know, the, so there's not as many mud puddles and
0: we no stuff record out there. rain. It's been a while a yeah. couple months since all that's dried up. But out of the Green Valley News I pulled this uh, clip on plants that you can plant to deter mosquitoes and uh Green Valley is a little higher elevation than Phoenix and Tucson, so I was just curious which one of these uh, plants or or all of them will they still grow in the lower desert? Lavender and marigolds was the first one on the list. Lavender makes a pretty good
1: landscape plant here. You can have it year round in the garden.
0: Yeah, Uh, citronella. Uh,
1: Yeah, it's you know might suffer through the summer. It's a geranium. Uh, family and, you know, does well in containers through the winter months. Uh, Marigolds, you mentioned, do good in spring and the fall.
0: Now, I know rosemary will do good. We've got one Mm -hmm. that we can't kill. Yeah, it's like I I can't (laughs) abuse it enough to make it go away. Right. No, it does very well here. Uh, Basil and sage?
1: Basil is touchy to cold. Um, It does well through the warmer months. This time of year, if you, you need to keep it in a container, you know, maybe where you could protect it. Um, sages, you know, do, uh, do pretty well, not, not in the landscape, but you could do them in a container around the, around the, we're talking about not, you know, people get confused. It's not Texas sage. It's not our landscape sage. These are true sages in the salvia family that, you know, the, the, the ones you would cook and season with. And then bee balm and alum? Bee balms kind of like a mint, um, I think it's in that family. Mints also, I think, are pretty good for that. So anything that's kind of minty in and allium is a, is a bulb, it's like an onion. It's in the onion uh, family, and probably onions would, garlic, those types of things would all
0: work as well. So, and they will grow here. They'll grow here, and we plant them now and have mm-hmm. them ready through the summer when we get the rains back. Yeah, the only one on that list that
1: you got to watch this time of year now is basil, it,
0: you know probably from a. It might freeze. Get freezing. Yeah. So if you've got a area around your backyard that you like to sit in the summertime or, you know, make your own little mosquito shield around your, your patio or landscape, wherever you like to enjoy your time outside.
1: And a, and a lot of those things that you mentioned, you know, would do well mixed in with pots of flowers or vegetables, um, you know, in a mixture of, you know, planting. So, you yeah, you can, you can work them right in.
0: It's funny when people talk about, uh, when we talk about mosquitoes, you get people from Louisiana, from Michigan, they all laugh like, you guys don't have mosquitoes here. But, you know, when you get used to living without mosquitoes and you get bitten once all summer long, that's very annoying. (laughs) Yeah, it
1: it, it is. And, and, you know, they seem to be, well, of course, this year we had lots of summer rain, which just made it even worse, but... They seem to be where we have more of them than we used to have. I don't know. Well, the worst thing is when they get in your house. So that's the—that's really the bugger. You know, you, you're you're sitting there watching a show or reading a book, and you hear
0: one buzz by your ear. like, What are you doing in here? <laughs> and they're very elusive. So occasionally we get them. There's a couple uh, ideas there for naturally deteriorating. Well, and them. in the
1: serious side of that is we do have a. a Pretty fair outbreak of West Nile here, which is transmitted, you know, by mosquito bites. So, we wanna, um, our friend Tim was uh, at uh, Scotty's has West Nile. He's recovering, but uh, I guess he got pretty sick. Oh, I'm
0: glad to hear that. I didn't. you know, I'm glad to hear he's recovering of, because
1: <laughs> of all of the you know news on other illnesses that we seem to have. You know, we're not getting. Uh, much reporting on West Nile, so it is it is a serious deal. Take take
0: mosquitoes seriously out there. So we do have them, and there's a couple ideas for your plant landscape for a little natural deterrent. Of course, just making sure you don't have any ponding water. Uh, it, it's amazing how quick just a little pool of water in that larva and they're hatching. I mean, it, they are interestingly enough responsible for more deaths than any other insect animal in the entire world
1: (laughs) i suppose yeah in the tropical regions of the world all the different stuff that they carry or spread is yeah pretty amazing so
0: well it's fall and we've been talking about planting because fall is the best time to plant you've got a nice long period to let the roots get established before we hit our summer heats that we're so well known for here and uh you know, get out to your local nursery. Walk around if you don't Absolutely. know what to plant. Just if got folks find- coming
1: over next week for uh, Thanksgiving. You know, get a couple of pots with some color and nothing will dress up, uh, you know, a uh, little patio or an entryway like a pot of geraniums or something like that. And we
0: didn't even talk about poinsettias because usually uh, you'll start seeing you'll
1: s- them here this weekend probably.
0: Yeah. And they used to always be red, but it seems like they've got just about every color They're, in the rainbow now. They really have that. It's like a paint fan. The jacket.
1: breeders, the breeders have gone crazy. <laughs> 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 so yeah, there's about any color of decor you have, you can probably find it. And then I've seen some that are that are actually painted. Uh, so you can you can put glitter on them and all kinds of different wild stuff.
0: <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I it. It, it is one of those things like if you don't have a Christmas tree, it doesn't feel like the season. We have to have a point of somewhere. There you go.
1: Yep. Nothing. Brighten things up like that big bright red leaf.
0: <laughs> Jay Harper, thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us. It's oh, Rosie a pleasure. on the House. Nine o'clock hours coming up. It's our On the House hour. We talk about something on your home, castle, or cabin. Stay tuned. It's Rosie on the House.